Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message.
along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy thing that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invis uh, invisible, the one in God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your teaching, Lord. I pray that it would minister to our lives and our hearts, that it would awaken something within us this morning. Lord, draw us closer to you, Lord. Remind us of this great salvation that we have in you, Jesus the truth of this gospel. I pray, Lord, that it would impact someone today. I pray that someone Sunday would change their Monday, Lord. I pray that someone would leave here today encouraged, oh God, by your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I didn't want to forget this. I just want to say that last week, you may have heard in the last couple of weeks, our sound was giving us a little bit of trouble. And Pastor King came to me and says, hey, our soundboard is going bad. Looks like we need to purchase a new soundboard. And we did. We purchased a new soundboard um, this week. And uh, uh, King and um, Avaldo, they were here all day Thursday uh, just working on the sound. And today the sound sounds amazing. King and Valdo, love you guys. Appreciate you so much. <laughs> Pastor Kingsley does almost everything. And I put, give him a couple of Sundays a year to preach to. Right? <laughs> the truth of the gospel. Right? So um, here we read Paul's life in the book of Acts. Like I said, in Acts chapter 9, he has that encounter with Jesus. And as he neared Damascus uh, on the journey, uh, Acts chapter 9, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, So, so why do you persecute, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Uh, I am Jesus, who you're persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So this is uh, Paul's encounter in Acts chapter 9. Uh, he, he has this encounter with Jesus, uh, and, and, and he is reminded of this, and he reminds Timothy of this great encounter that he has. And uh, in fact, when he writes to the Corinthians, the first Corinthians chapter uh, 15, uh, towards the end of the book, he tells them, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. So I, I, I imagine that as we read the, uh, the, the epistles of, of the apostle Paul, every so often he talks about his own life of, of a persecutor of the church. And I just could imagine that he, he always uh, thought about that and said, man, how, how uh, how I used to do this terrible thing, right? And you see it in his writings uh, on how he reflected on it, but he, he recognizes, though he don't deserve the grace of God, God's grace has touched him and healed him and has done great and did great things with him, right? We know the story of Paul, that he hurt people and he ruined lives and ruined families, and, uh, and he had no right to be saved, but neither do any of us. And the grace of God reached him. He was a wretched man, a man who saw himself as the worst of sinners. He saw himself as the worst of sinners. Um, but it's through the encounter with the resurrected Jesus in Acts chapter 9. That he begins a, a life change and becomes a great apostle that we all know and have loved. 
It's through the encounter of the resurrected Jesus. I, I want to remind you today, I've noticed, or, or, or as church people, we've noticed that when people are struggling in their faith, it, chances are they haven't had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Because when you have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, your life is radically changed. Maybe religion draws you, but that's not enough to change you. Maybe the culture of the church is drawing you. Maybe the need for a social setting is drawing you. But those things are not enough to change your life. Maybe your own need, maybe your own need for, for, for healing and, and to be whole is drawing you. But your need is not enough for a changed life. It is an encounter with the resurrected Jesus that radically changes our lives. In fact, when we look into the scriptures and we look at some of the others, uh, even the brothers of Jesus, like James and Jude, they did not serve Jesus during his earthly ministry. In fact, the Bible says that his brothers said that he was out of his mind. But yet, James becomes the great apostle and the leader of the Jerusalem church. He becomes the one that even Peter and Paul says, hey, make sure you tell James about this. What was that radical change in the life of James, the brother of Jesus, is that he found himself with the resurrected Jesus. Yeah. I want to encourage you today. If you're here and you're struggling in your faith, your prayer needs to be, Lord, I, I want to get to know you. Yeah. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know the resurrected Jesus, the one that is alive and well and healing and saving. I want to come to know you. And the church says, yeah. right, so, so we see this here. Perhaps there's someone here today that also you're struggling in your faith and you feel like, man, I don't deserve it. I, if you knew the type of person I was or the things I've done or the things I'm doing, um, you, you might feel like, hey, I'm like the Apostle Paul. I'm the worst of sinners, man. I, I don't deserve it. I want to share with you today the truth of the gospel that reaches all people. All people from all nations, all skin colors, and all languages, all social statuses. He reaches and he changes their lives. And if you're here today and you're struggling, I want to let you know that the life change comes only through knowing Christ Jesus. It comes only through knowing Christ Jesus. And the church says. Amen. So looking at these verses, I want to share with you a few things. I want to share with you four things. Uh, look at these verses, the truth of the gospel. The first one is, God will extend himself to anyone. God will extend himself to anyone. Verse 15, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So the apostle Paul is saying here, man, anybody can be saved. If I can be saved, anybody can be saved. Paul is declaring that of all sinners, he is the absolute worst one. So perhaps you're here today and you're saying, man, I'm no saint. There, there's salvation for you this morning. Perhaps you're here today and you feel like, no, I've made some bad choices. I've hurt some people. I've hurt my family. I've hurt my spouse. I want to let you know that there's salvation for you today. Maybe you're here and you're, I'm, I'm too far. I'm too far. I've crossed the line too many times. And, and I, I, I don't think that, that I can really find the shalom of God, the peace of God. I, I really don't think that I can find uh, healing in the way that, that I really need it. I want to let you know that God will extend himself to anyone. I want to tell you today that God can touch and change anyone. He extends himself to anyone who wishes. 
Anyone who says, man, I, I long for this. I long for peace and, and I long for shalom. I, I long for wholeness. I long to see my family well and my matrimony well and my children well. I long for it. I, I'm coming to church because I know I need something and I long. I want to remind you today that God extends himself to anyone. Jesus extends himself to anyone. There are many stories in the scripture that I can share with you. I'll share with you three real quick. First one, he extends, Jesus extends himself to a demon-possessed man. Luke chapter 5, the story of a demon-possessed man. This man, the Bible says, had legions of demons on him. This man lived in the tombs, is what it said. That he had been chained, but he would break the chains apart. Uh, people tried to help him, and he would have let no one help him. He was so strong that no one could subdue him. So he lived in the tombs. And the Bible says that during the evening, he would be heard crying out loud and cutting himself and hurting himself. He was an outcast to all people, to his community. And no one could do anything for him and no one could help him. But Jesus extends himself to him. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 15, it says, And the people went out to see what happened because Jesus had reached out to that man and liberated him. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Jesus extends himself to anybody, even the demon-possessed man. Huh. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with some spiritual oppression and you're dealing with some hardships and you're dealing with some addictions that are trying to control your mind and, and you need liberation. I want to let you know this morning that Jesus extends himself to anyone. Maybe you're here today and, and there's something that's spiritually bounding you and, and something that spiritually wants to control you. I want to let you know today that Jesus extends himself to anyone. Regardless of what we've done, Regardless of where we've been, regardless of, it, of it, regardless of it being our fault or not being our fault, Jesus extends himself to anyone. In fact, Jesus talking about himself, he quotes Isaiah in John chapter 8 and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim liberty and captive and freedom to the prisoners. That's what he does. He is a liberator. And if you're battling something in your life today, something that you feel like, I... I need the power of God to descend and break these chains and loosen me from this thing that has me addicted and controlling my mind and controlling my actions and controlling my emotions. I want to let you know that Jesus extends himself to anyone. And the church says. Amen. We could also see how he extends himself to the, to the sinner, to the selfish person. When we look at the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, if you know about tax collectors in the, in, the, in the scriptures, you know that they were traitors to their own people. They stole from their own people. They were people who lived among their community but not received by their community. They worked for the empire with the protection of the empire, and they were seen as traitors to their own people, their families were ashamed of them because they were selfish and, and they were arrogant and they were prideful and, and their own family uh, wanted nothing to do with them. They were not allowed to enter to the synagogue because the Jewish people ha had kind of seen them as, as traitors and, and wanted nothing to do with them. They had their own community of other tax collectors because nobody wanted anything to do with them. They were tax collectors. They were sinners. They were selfish people. They were traitors to their own people. And here comes Jesus. And he sees Zacchaeus. And he tells him, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree today. I'm going to abide in your house. 
And from that conversation with Jesus, Zacchaeus' life is completely changed. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling and you feel like, man, there's some fleshly things that have taken hold of me and, and money has become my idol and, and the American dream has become my goal and, and I deal with some selfishness and I deal with some pride and, and you know what? And I'm all about me. I'm all about what's good for me. I'm all about what's best for me. How, how can I advance? And I don't care who I hurt to advance. I, I'll hurt my coworkers if I can get that promotion. Believe it or not, there's people at times sitting next to us that think that way. But Jesus, he extends himself to anyone. And that's why when we work with people like that, they're still our obligation. They're still our obligation. They're still our responsibility because Jesus he extends himself to anyone. So Jesus extends himself to the demon-possessed man, uh, uh, to the tax collector, the selfish man. And then he extends himself even to common folk like you and I. When you look at the, the disciples, many of them were just common folk, common people. In fact, another time in Acts, it says they were people without word. They were people well, without letter. They were, they were common people, right? Jesus extended himself to common people. He looked at Peter. He says, I'm going to make you a, a fisher of men. I got a purpose. The common fisherman, I, I have a, a purpose with you. One time I was talking to somebody who told me, after our family was good, and we were good, I, I had my, my, my husband and, and my children, and, and you know, we were okay, but we always knew we were missing something. There wasn't a lot of conflict in our home. We were, we were just a good regular family, but we were always missing something. And then when we received Jesus, our personal Savior, we knew we were complete at that moment. Common people, living life trying their best to be as morally right as they can, there's still a void, and only Jesus can fill that void. He extends himself to anyone. Maybe you're here today, and you are, you are just struggling in life and home. Maybe you're, you, know, you feel like, I got some battles, or maybe you're doing okay. You know what? My 401 is okay. <laughs> you know, our home is okay. All is well. Uh, but you're missing something. You're missing something. And you're missing an encounter with Jesus. And I want to remind you today that he extends himself to anyone. And the church says, Amen. Number two, how does God extend himself to us then? How does he do it? As we read these verses, uh, and you look at these verses, and you study these verses, you're going to see three words that pop out to you. Mercy, grace, and patience. You're going to see that he extends to us through, he extends himself to, to us through his mercy, through his grace, being patient with us. We understand a little bit more about how God extends himself to us. In verse 13, we see God is merciful towards us. God is merciful towards us. Uh, verse 13 says, even though I was once a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and a violent man, I will show mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. God was merciful. What does mercy mean? Uh, what does it mean to be shown mercy? It means that God extends, extends himself to us by showing mercy. Mercy is God not punishing us for our sins deserved. That's what mercy is. That God is not punishing us for our sins deserved. Mercy has to do with God's compassion uh, towards us. Uh, the Webster Dictionary says, uh, mercy is a forgiving, forgiving treatment of someone 
who could be treated harshly. Forgiven someone who could be treated harshly. Mercy ultimately is not getting what you and I deserve. Mercy is withheld punishment. So Jesus extends himself to us, how? By offering us mercy. We deserve eternal punishment, is what the scripture says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve eternal punishment, but Jesus offers us mercy. We deserve the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. We deserve the lake of fire, but Jesus has offered us mercy. We deserve total separation from God. But Jesus has offered us mercy. Because God, God being merciful towards us, it, it reminds us that He is not giving us what we deserve. When God, when we receive Christ as our personal Savior, He shows us mercy. He won't no longer condemn us by the condemnation that we deserve. In fact, the psalmist said, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. Psalm 103.10. Is that awesome? He does not treat us uh, as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Peter writes in his first epistle, chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His mercy extends to us. And I love that in Luke chapter 1, it says His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. So mercy, how does Christ extend Himself to us? Mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. And then the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 14 that God is gracious towards us. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that is in Christ Jesus. God is what? Gracious towards us. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. When we say that you are receiving grace, it's, it's, it's God's favor. It's God's riches upon our lives. Riches that we absolutely do not deserve. It's unmerited favor. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. He extends himself to us. How? By giving us mercy and by giving us grace. We don't deserve this great salvation, but he gave it to us, grace. We don't deserve the forgiveness of our sins, but he forgave us, grace. We don't deserve his heavenly riches, but he gave it to us. It's grace. Then you can personalize it for yourself. You don't deserve the wonderful family that he has put you in. But grace, he gave it to you anyway. You don't deserve your wonderful children and, and your, your, your wonderful church. You, you know, but God is gracious towards you, towards me. When God extends himself to us, how does he do it? By his mercy and by his grace. And then... He also does it with his patience. God is patient with us. Verse 16, Paul writes, But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. 
So he's merciful, he's gracious, and he extends himself towards us by being patient with us. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise as some sort of slowness, but is patient towards us, not wishing that you would uh, perish, but that all would come to repentance. In our worst times of life, he did not condemn us, and he did not turn his grace from us, but he was patient with us, although we didn't deserve it. When we were lost in our bad decisions, in our sin, when we were lost in our selfish ways, he, he did not cut us off, but he was patient with us. He spoke to us in different ways, and some would say, man, how did God uh, speak to us? How was he patient? I bet when we were lost, you know, he would use family members to say, hey, don't forget, Jesus loves you. And we were like, ah, God being patient with us. When we were lost in our ways, a, a work person, a work up friend came over to us and said, hey, man, I just felt in my heart to tell you Jesus loves you. And you're like, ah, God being patient. How about when, when you were sleeping and, and, and you had that weird dream and you're like, well, what does that mean? God knocking on the heart of your door, being patient with you. Right? Uh, a sermon you heard, and you're like, oh my God, God is, is, is speaking to me. And he doesn't stop, but he's patient with us. Why? Because he extends himself to anyone. And how does he do it? He does it through mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He does it through grace. He offers us what we don't deserve. And then he is patient with us, waiting for us to respond. Maybe you're here today and you feel like I'm, I'm struggling in my faith. I want to let you know that God has been patient with you. He's patient with you. He's knocking on the heart of your door. And he's saying, when, when are you going to respond? You know that you need to respond. You know your family needs me. You need me. Look at your circumstance. Look at your situation. Respond in a way that will bring healing. And some will say, but i, I got to get some things right in my life. I, just come the way that you are. You, you haven't been able to do it on your own this whole time. Leave it to yourself. Ten years from now, you'll be in the same condition you are now. It is only through the working of the Holy Spirit, the ministering Spirit of God, that is working within you, that once you surrender to Him, He will help bring some transformation. It starts inwardly, and then it begins to be released out your pores. And it begins to affect your home, and your life, and your family, and... And it's progressive. I know that we want to come to Jesus and see it all wiped away in one day. It, it, it doesn't always happen that way. It can. But many times it's progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Trust in the Lord because you've received his mercy. He's not giving you what you deserve. You received his grace. He's given you something you don't deserve. And he's been patient with you. And that's how he extends himself to us. And the church says. Amen. So we're talking about the truth of the gospel. That God extends himself to anyone. How does he do it? Mercy, grace, and patience. Number three, why does God extend himself to us? Why? Why would he do this? Why would he do this for you? Why, why would he do this for me? Verse 15 says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into, into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Why does God extend himself to us? Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's 
his mission. When you read the scriptures, you see that was, that was the mission given to the Son by the Father to save the world. And in fact, when you, when you read in, in John chapter 17, Jesus has this incre incredible prayer. He tells the Father, I've done all that you have entrusted me to do. He says, I fulfilled. He was getting ready for the crucifixion. And he tells him, I fulfilled. I finished the work that you have given me. It was the Mission given to the Son by the Father, the salvation to all. And this is what Jesus does. He extends Himself to us because He loves us. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. What one man destroyed in the Garden of Eden, Jesus restored. He comes to restore Right? Matthew 20, 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give His life as a ransom for many. That was the mission of Jesus. Why does He extend Himself to you? Because He came as the Savior of the world. Acts 4 tells us, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. First of John 4.10, This is love, that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loved us. That's how He sends Himself. Jesus is the only way to the Father. There's no other way for salvation. It's only found in Jesus. That was his mission. He fulfilled his mission. And it is our job now to respond. This is the truth of the gospel. <clears throat> I wish that I could say there was a, another way. Another way to get to heaven. Another way to get to the Father. But the scripture is clear. There's only one way. It was the mission of Jesus to bring salvation to the lost soul. His mission was to save sinners from an eternal destruction. From an eternal condemnation. This is the truth of the gospel. Jesus came to save us from an eternal destruction. An eternal condemnation. Make no mistake of it. There is a hell. And there is a place for those that did not choose Christ. This is the truth of the gospel. Many argue about what hell is. If you get into a theological realm, they, they argue about what hell is. You know, we, we were born and raised that hell is a place of fire and torment, and, and that's where you're going to go the rest of your life if you don't accept Jesus. That's what we're taught. Others say that, that hell is the grave. You go there, boom, you're done. You're, you know, that's it, the end of you. Others say that, that hell is separation from God. Listen, everybody can have their theological debate about what hell is. All I know is that I'm not going there. <laughs> not going there. But there is a truth here that I feel led to hammer this morning. Not everyone will make it to heaven. I wish that I could say differently. I wish that I could say, look, man, just do the best that you can. Hold on to what is morally right because the grace of God is so transcendent that at the end of time, you know, we're all going to make it up there. I wish that I could see that. I wish. My heart would be to see all of us, all of humanity, all of my loved ones, all of my friends. My heart would be to see them all come to know Jesus. But the scripture teaches us that not everyone will make it to heaven. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. The Apostle Paul writes. 
Matthew 7, uh, not everyone who says to me, Jesus said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said this, two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, and the other will be left. Not everyone will make it to heaven, that's the truth of the gospel. Why does God extend himself to us? Because Jesus is the only way. Why? Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. There's Bible verses on hell, and we can talk about them. You know, uh, Bible verses on hell, Matthew 13, uh, says this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Talking about separation, golden sheep, and times. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, he will punish those who do not know God. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. It's a reminder to us that there is in hell. Hell is described in the book of Mark as a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The Bible says clearly whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on them. John 3.36 The Bible is clear for those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. John 5.29 why does God extend himself to us? Jesus came into the world to save sinners. For those that have come to Jesus, those who have chosen Christ over all things, the Bible teaches us this. If you have received Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible teaches us this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, that is a blessing for us. If you have received Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says that there is no condemnation. Wait a minute, but don't, don't, don't you remember the bad things I did before I received Jesus? The Bible says that he wipes away all our sins. The Bible says that the old is gone, the new has come. The Bible says that we are now born again into this new life in Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches us that he takes our sins and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. Uh, the Bible reminds us that he separates us as far as the east is from the west. He separates us from our sins. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 34, 22. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. I want to encourage you today. Your faith in Jesus gives you an eternal glory. Your faith in Jesus gives you an eternal promise with him. And that encourages us. And it reminds us that this is not our last stop. The Bible says in Thessalonians that one day the trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will raise first. And then us, the church, those who are left behind, will find ourselves with him in heaven for eternal glory. This is the truth of the gospel. And the church says, Amen. Amen. So the Bible teaches us that he extends himself to anyone. 
Paul writes here. The, Paul writes that he also tells us how he does it. He does it through mercy, through grace, and through patience. And then he tells us why he does it. Because Jesus' mission is to save a lost world. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling in your faith. This is the truth of the gospel. Uh, if you draw you closer to him, he will radically change your life. And then our last point, and I'll close. I'll ask the musicians to help me. Uh, with the last point, when God extends himself to us, he places a purpose in us. I, I love that it's just not like this religious, fanatical thing that we experience. But it's like a whole life change. It's like a whole life change. He does something so amazing in us. Not only does he uh, save us, not only does he show us his, his love for us through mercy, grace, and patience, not only does he remind us of his mission, why he left heaven and, and he wrapped himself up in flesh and, and died on the cross for us, oh, but, but he, he takes us from that bad place and he repositions us in a good place. For his glory and his honor, Maybe you're here, and you could have been in church for a long time, and maybe you're, 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 you're not as fervent as you were before. And some of those things can be identified by how we're living out our purpose today. This is, this is going to be a little hard, but sometimes we've been so institutionalized in our faith, we just feel good enough to come to church. We feel good enough with it. But I want to encourage you. Because when we're living out our God-given purpose. Is we've responded to the gospel. We've responded to the gospel. We've responded to the great love of Jesus. We've responded. And I love that Paul writes this in verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Who has given me strength. That he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. He's saying, me? I was the guy that was persecuting the Christians. And he's appointed me? He's called me trustworthy? Uh, he's considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. I want to tell you today that as we respond to the gospel, the gospel doesn't make us religious, but it allows us to fulfill our God-given purpose. Our God-given purpose. This is the truth of the gospel. And the church says, So as I close our teaching this morning, today we're reminded the truth of the gospel. God will extend himself to anyone. No matter how bad or good, where we come from, the things that we've done, anybody. And you feel like, well, how does he extend himself to me? How? Jesus offers you mercy. In other words, he's not going to give you what you deserve. He offers you grace. He gives you what you don't deserve. And then he's That's how he does it. Why does he do it? Because this is what Jesus does. That's his mission. He came to save a lost world from an eternal condemnation. And when he does it, he extends himself to us. He gives us purpose.
purpose in life. Purpose in life. And the church says, Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.